Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 209 for October 15th, 2021. On today's show, Dimitri Matheny and I talk about Green Lantern. If you'd like to support this show, go to patreon.com slash vanarchism. It's the word anarchism with a V at the beginning. You'll get early access to every episode, a monthly bonus show, plus travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Again, that's patreon.com slash vanarchism. Thanks. It is an unseasonably warm and gorgeous week here in Vermont. If all goes well, this is my penultimate week here. Uh, As you know, if you've been listening, I've been stopped here since May, and I'm about to get on the road again full-time and very much looking forward to that. Got one more set of van repairs to get through uh, on Monday, the few days from now, as you're listening to this. And assuming that all goes well and I have some money left over for gas, I'll be heading out of here at the end of next week. Very much looking forward to seeing more places and also spending more time with my kids in the upcoming months. Uh, Really looking forward to that. You can follow all of my travels on Instagram if you'd like. It's uh, just Vanarchism on Instagram. And now on with the show. Dimitri Matheny, welcome to A Brief Chat. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I started this show or restarted it, uh, I don't know, six or seven weeks ago as people are listening to this. And the tagline is everybody one person at a time. But I did put one restriction on that, which was that everybody includes everybody except, well, obviously, except, you know, Nazis and stuff. But I mean, everybody that I like, except no jazz (laughs) musicians talking about jazz, because that's what I have done for the last 20 years. And uh, but that I didn't want to exclude people just because they were jazz musicians. They just have to talk about something else. And so there's a thing besides music. Well, I'm sure there are many things. But the thing in particular about you Uh, that I know that you're very well versed in is actually something I'm also very interested in in terms of the genre, but I'm not as well versed in the particular area that we're going to dive into today. Uh, We're going to talk about Green Lantern, but before we get into that, I just kind of wanted to set the stage a little with your, you know, kind of your entry into the world of comic books. Did you start as a kid? Was it a thing you got into as an adult? Uh, So before we actually talk about how you got into Green Lantern, just how did you start reading comics in general? Unless those are the same answer, obviously, and then have at it. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of the same answer a little bit. A little bit the same answer. My Green Lantern was kind of my babysitter between the ages of like 5 and 12. My father is this um he was a big naturalist bird watcher like yourself, you know. He loved to to like go out into the into the wildlife refuge for hours at a time. And, you know, he had this young son. I was raised by my dad. And so he would, like, literally leave me in the car, you know, a parked car in the middle of a wildlife refuge in Alabama with a stack of comic books. You know, I guess at first the comic books were like, you know, Archie and, you know, Richie Rich and things like that. But um, he, he soon learned that that I, I really loved the superheroes the best and especially the Green Lantern. And so he would buy me a like he'd go to the spinner at this local Seven Eleven and just load me up with whatever the recent stuff was. And so this was in the seventies and, and I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Now you feel free to vehemently correct me on this, but when I think of Green Lantern and, you know, of course I read comics with Green Lantern 
in them and occasionally a Green Lantern comic. And in in the 70s or the 80s, whenever that was, I read I did read some issues of the when Green Lantern and Green Arrow were doing their thing together. But Green Lantern always seemed to me like kind of a supporting character, um, much that, you know, the way before the Marvel movies came out, much the way maybe Iron Man, you know, would have been were like part of some big teams that had more famous members, but maybe like a a, a B level character in those teams, and so it's it's interesting to me that Green Lantern was the person you particularly gravitated toward. What was it about Green Lantern or the the Green Lantern kind of mythos that drew you in? Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I started at the same time you're you're talking about that hard traveling heroes period where it was Green Lantern with uh, Green Arrow, and they're you know they're traveling around the country in a truck you know, fighting uh, evil. And, and that, during that period, of course, it was the, the 70s. So, um, you know, there was this, um, in, during the Bronze Age, there was this whole kind of, I don't know, they were trying to be more social, socially aware. So they dealt with things like the Vietnam War and civil rights and racism and miners' rights and North uh, Native American rights. Even, they even had a, a, a story about a cult leader. And this was all while all of that stuff was in the news. So it was very, it was very, top of mind, it was sort of a, a cool way for a little kid to kind of get a handle on the, the kind of the kind of debates that were happening in the real world around the country at the time. But I, I would really say that the things about the Green Lantern that, that appealed to me, um, I liked their whole philosophy, the sort of xenophilia, cultural diversity uh, idea of the Green Lantern core, you know, and that, and that not only, you know, did you have multiple Green Lanterns on Earth uh, of different... Um, ethnicities and, and whatnot, but they're also dealing with space aliens and, 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 you know, teams of space aliens, they would have like two different green lanterns, one from one part of the galaxy and one from another, and they would patrol together. So you often have these fish out of water stories, which were really fascinating. And I love science fiction. I loved the sort of star Wars space opera mythos. You know, I loved all of that. Um, I also liked the, that, that, you know, unlike a lot of those, those early members of the, Justice Society and the Justice League, you know, the Green Lanterns were just regular people that were, they were some sort of selected for their character. And then they were given these powers. Um, so, so they weren't, you know, they didn't, they weren't created by accident. They're not super powered people from other planets. You know, they're, they're literally like they've been, here's, here's this talisman, here's this totem, this power ring. And now you have this responsibility to use your, your creativity and your imagination to overcome evil and, and to, and to overcome your own fear, you know? So I don't know if you've ever seen, there was a little, there was a little book called Harold and the purple crayon from the Oh 50s. my gosh. Yeah. That's like my, I, I love that kids. story. Yeah. I loved it. And, and I loved the whole thing of, you know, Harold would get into a little fix and like Felix, the cat, you know, he'd get himself out of it, but, but by drawing something that would then kind of come to life. And and to me, like I had been reading Harold and the Purple Crayon when I came on the Green Lantern with with his power ring, and it was sort of the same thing. It's like a, you know, like Luke's lightsaber or Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver, right? There, there are these. There's, here's this object, and now that you have this object, if you can summon your own power, you know, you recite an oath, and you know, you invoke some magic words or whatever, and now you you go out and you do the right thing. And and you're right. I mean, it's been 80 years of, of history of the Green Lantern with so many different writers and editors and, and artists putting their spin on the characters. 
So, you know, sometimes Green Lantern has been very much to the, I mean, he was one of the founding members of these, these crime fighting teams that were in these early um, compilations, you know, the Justice Society and Justice League and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, over the years, not only do the characters reflect the era in which, you know, the writer is writing, so the, so the personalities of these characters change, but also, um, you know, the writers themselves put their own spin on the characters, like, you know, like, like, you, like happens with any, any story that's passed down through time. And, and so they're, you know, and, and, you know, Hal Jordan, for example, you know, he's been, he's been dead and brought back to life several times. He's, he's aged and then reversed aged and then been retconned as a young man again. And, you know, he was a villain for a while and he was a specter for a while. <laughs> they, they really, they've really done a lot with this one character and, and he's lived many lives. Anyway, I appreciate even more now because I'm only like 55 and turning 56 um, this year. And, and I realize that when you get to be a certain age and you look back over your life, you know, you yourself have, have been many different people. You know, you think of who you were 20 years ago and what you were caring, what you cared about and what you were focused on and, you know, and even what kind of politics you had and everything. And it's probably changed a little bit. I mean, that was definitely the case with, with, uh, with the Green Lantern. I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this one particular era, but the, uh, the very beginning of your response contained a sentence that you skipped lightly through, but that I think in the, to almost anyone sounds ridiculous, which is that there was an entire era in which Green Lantern and Green Arrow just drove around in a truck fighting crime, which when you think Oh, I know, I know. (laughs) A superhero, at least in Green Lantern, a superhero mythology that spans the stars and as you pointed out, you know, includes races from all over, uh, you know, the, the galaxy or the universe and is this kind of epic space opera. But there was a time when it was just... You know, it it was like a the seventies, uh, you know, evening TV show version of that. Just you know, uh, yeah. Bill, Bill Bixby but, in a truck. But with also, his best friend. that totally Bill Bixby, exactly. And and again, you're getting to the, the the heart of what I was saying about about reflecting the era in which you know there. You know, my dad grew up with the Green Lantern. He grew up with the Golden Age Green Lantern. You know, who was a railroad engineer with a magic wing. You know, and it was a whole, it, you know, it was, it was, and it was that era when every, every superhero was the red this and the blue that, you know, and they're, and they're just, they're, they're just constantly coming up with new ones. And, you know, you get your magic decoder ring and your box of cereal. And like, that's the Green Lantern that my dad grew up with. Right. And, and, it, and you talk about the forties and the fifties and film noir and everything. And though that Green Lantern, he would, he fought like gunsels and hoodlums and, you know, I mean, there were some pulp stories with like, um, Vandal Savage and Solomon Grundy and, you know, monsters and zombies and things like that. But for the most part, the golden age green lantern was just like the movies that were in that era. You know, you had bank robbers and that sort of thing. And then when they reinvented our, our boy Hal Jordan as like this science fiction space cop, now you have the era of, you know, since 1959, that amazing year, you know, now you have all of this, this love of science fiction and the space age. And you've got this guy who's a test pilot and, and, and there's a preoccupation with, uh, you know, globalism and by extension, you know, I guess outer space, you know, and, and the space race and whatnot. By the time the seventies roll around, 
if you think about the television shows that were on, and if you think, I mean, and we lived through it, we lived through that era, you know, and, and the idea of a couple of guys piling into an old truck and driving around America looking for the American dream, right? And dealing with things like, you know, these, these punks are having a protest, you know, and what do we do about it? You know? that, was, that was what was happening then, you know? That was what was happening. And, that's, and so that's why it resonated with people. Weirdly enough, I mean, the critics loved it, but, but those books were not successful. Those hard-traveling heroes books, they were not that successful. That was, a, that was a dark period where they were really trying really hard to reinvigorate comic books. So they reinvented a whole bunch of them and tried to update them and gave them all like little teenage sidekicks. And, you know, there was all this crazy stuff that they, they, they just tried and tried and tried. And it, it wasn't until after I quit reading comic books for a while that, that, that this new age came to be. There's a whole, there's a whole new kind of uh, modern age from the 80s to the present that, that I'm sort of now trying to catch up. I've gone back and started collecting comics again, and I'm trying to, to get caught up on the modern stuff. But yeah, that's crazy. I, I still remember like the panel, seeing the panel where this old guardian of the universe, you know, the little blue men that were their, their handlers, uh, he decides not to be a guardian anymore and becomes the old timer. So there's this wise old dude sitting in the middle, you know, like you're talking about like a, like a Studebaker truck with a, with a bench seat in front. And Oliver Queen, who's like this hippie with like a goatee, you know, a little, what do you call that kind of beard? It's not a goatee. Uh, Van Dyke? That he had. A Van Dyke. He's got a Van Dyke, you know, and then Hal is like this very, you know, conservative cop guy and he's driving the truck. And in the middle is this little dude, you know, who's, who's a space alien, but nobody knows it. And they're literally driving around the country, right? You know, and, and the, the Hal makes all of these, these like, these speeches worthy of Jack Kerouac, you know, throughout these, you you have these long, these long passages about the road and the romance of being on the road. And, and, you know, around the same time, there was a, they had the the CBS had a, had a little van and that guy was traveling around the country interviewing people. It was a whole thing, you know, Uh, it it was a moment, you know, and, and um, yeah, his green arrows, little teen sidekick speedy gets a heroin addiction and they had a big story about that. And then, and then randomly, every now and then, there would be someone else with them. Like, I think in a few of those, uh, Green Arrow's girlfriend, uh, Black Canary, is with them somehow. And she's part of the, the mix, you know. Um, but yeah, actually, that, that period where, they, where, where then they went, when they backed out of that um, American-centric hard-traveling heroes thing and got back to outer space, that's when they, they started really deep deeply expanding the Green Lantern Corps. Actually, the, 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 the book started being called Green Lantern Corps, and, and almost every, every issue would be a new origin story of a different space alien Green Lantern. And I think that's around the same time that your guys, the, uh, the Nova Corps, were, were kind of emerging in, in Marvel, like late 70s, early 80s, something like that. And one of, one of the things I like about the fact that there are so many Green Lanterns is that the 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 breadth of personalities represented by people who become the Green Lantern is, or a Green Lantern is is pretty enormous. And for example, the Green Lantern with which I'm most familiar is the one depicted in the uh, early and mid '80s uh, Justice League reboot when it was mostly a comedy. Well, you know, kind Stewart. of a, yeah, kind of a, a dramedy and. Uh, 
that mm-hmm. Green Lantern. No, that was Guy Gardner. And um, oh, you're talking about Guy Gardner? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And so Guy yeah. and Guy and Batman um, really hated each other in those comics, and yeah. it led to a yeah. moment where um, Guy Gardner, who's this really brash, like you know, kind of loud. I'm the best there is. You know, I've got this ring Let's for say a reason, it. He, baby. He's, a, he's kind of a, he's kind of a douchebag. He yeah. is a douchebag. <laughs> he's and kind he, of a jingoistic douchebag. Yeah. He challenges uh, Batman to a fight. And Batman realizes he can no longer avoid this. And so Guy says, you know, I'll take off the ring and we'll just, you know, man to man, we'll fight. And uh, spoiler alert for a comic that came out 40 years ago, but uh, Batman knocks him out with one punch. The 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 whole fight is one panel of Batman knocking him out with one punch. And then uh, Blue Beetle and I think Booster Gold, who are in this comic, they spend the next several issues just every once in a while just saying one punch to each other. And that kind of approach to Green Lantern, we're like, oh, this is a superhero. And when it comes to fighting villains, he's right in there, you know, being brave and selfless and so on and so forth. But he's there's also enough depth to this I, this concept and this characterization that you can you can see that he's really a douchebag, even though he is also heroic. And there, I can't really think of too many other characters or too many other superhero mythologies that allowed for that breadth of character since multiple yeah. people could be this. The yeah. Hero. Yeah. I, I, I totally hear you. And it's, it's one of the things that I love about the, the green lantern mythos. I mean, I hated guy Gardner. I hated his macho thing. And you know, they, when they first, he first came out, they tried to make him look like Martin Milner. And then he sort of became even like they, they made his, his noggin even more square. He looked more and more like a jarhead. And then they made his costume even more and more ridiculous until he became kind of almost like a comic relief character. He was running around with a, with a, with a Green Lantern dog, you know, <laughs> you know, and, 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 the, and they carried over the Batman thing with all of the Green Lantern. You know, there's, there's rivalry between, between Batman and almost every Green Lantern. And, and, and there are other variations of that same story that you just told. I like the idea though that okay, so we we choose someone based on their character, their their bravery, their sense of right and wrong. We give them this power, and we give them training, and then after that, they're kind of on their own about how they use it. And so, like, they even got into this thing of like, well, if if you're creating physical constructs uh, made out of light that that you then control telekinetically, you know, that's that's the essential power that the Green Lantern has. Yeah, but what? What do you create? Well, then there was like John Stewart, this African American architect, jazz pianist, former Marine from Detroit. You know, he he would like, you know, I, forgive me for mentioning jazz on the non-jazz podcast, but like, you know, he he waxes philosophically about about you know Bud Powell, you know, and and then creates these elaborate architectural constructs, and then. You know, Hal Jordan, the test pilot, you know, he's likely to make a missile or a rocket or a giant fist or something like that. And then there was even a, a later one in the 90s, uh, Kyle Rayner. He was an, an artist and a graphic designer and and was like really detailed and really imaginative with his constructs. So the people that grew up reading comic books in the 90s after I had quit, um, Kyle Rayner, a lot of, for a lot of them, Kyle Rayner is their Green Lantern because it was he, he was basically headlined to the comic book all through the 90s. But the people that grew up watching um, Justice League Unlimited and Justice League cartoon series on TV, a lot of them, for a lot of them, it was uh, Jon Stewart, 
Um, and and, and so much, to such a degree that when they made that Green Lantern movie, a lot of people just, just kind of assumed it would be a black actor, you know, because everyone was expect, expected to see a, a, a John Stewart character. You know, now there's a whole bunch of new Green Lanterns that, you know, as with everything else in the world, they're even more culturally diverse. You've got like a, a Lebanese American Muslim guy. And the, one that I particularly like is Jessica Cruz. She's this young Latin American woman and she suffers from chronic anxiety. And she has to she has to overcome her anxiety in order to, to operate her ring. And one of the ways she, do, she does it is by creating constructs that are like cuddly and cute, like a giant teddy bear or something like that, you know, to, that, that she then manipulates to fight her battles and things. So I just like this idea, um, which, you know, relates very much to, to music and the arts. I like this idea that, that, you know, you can essentially teach someone technique and give them the tools, but, but ultimately what they're going to do is express their own personality, their own interests, whatever occupies, you know, their thoughts. You know, just like all, all creatives do. And for me, there's a, there's a kind of an underlying um, kind of arts sensibility and, and, and philosophy in the whole Green Lantern work. Because they're, they're, you know, basically what do they do? They, the way that they, they uh, patrol their sectors and fight evil is by using creativity to overcome fear, if that makes sense. You invoked the probably most notorious part of the Green Lantern oeuvre, which is the film that came out, no, it's been years now with uh, Ryan Reynolds, um, which I've never heard anyone say anything good about. Uh, are you going to be the first or are you uh, also not a not an appreciator of his cinematic debut? I will, I will be the first. Um, it, it was a swing and a miss, right? It, 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 they did not do a good job of capturing what makes Green Lantern so great. They, they really didn't. But it was a swing. And I waited my whole life to see Green Lantern at the movies. And that day, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I sat there through that entire movie with a big shit-eating grin on my face. Because I'm hearing, you know, you know, millions of years ago on the planet Oa. And that I can't believe this is happening. You know, it's like, it's, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, I mean, it, it, you know, what felt similar to me when they had like, you know, movies about Miles Davis and Chet Baker in the, in the movie theater at the same time, you know, be, being, being portrayed by, you know, you know, I, the idea that this obscure thing that I was really into as a kid is now being made into a feature film and I can go buy a ticket and sit there and watch it. That alone just, just delighted me no end. And there were a few things that they got pretty right you know a few like i loved the, the design of the of the green lantern Corps. if you just go back and freeze frame those images and those scenes i mean dozens upon dozens of characters minor characters from comic books i read in the 1970s you know are are, are represented and sometimes they're only on screen for just a second but man they went into such great detail to create kind of photorealistic three-dimensional cgi but but versions of these flat two dimensional characters, and I mean you know a gas, uh, you know a, a um, an insect, uh, uh, a sentient tree, you know I mean I mean it, it's crazy when you get into like the level you know the, a, a blind space alien you know it's like they just did an amazing job with it with the design elements, but uh, but it's you know it's well documented all the things they got wrong and why it was such a frustrating movie. I just hope that, that they, 
that eventually we come around to, to, to giving it another shot because, you know, there, there've been a few efforts since then to kind of get the thing off the ground and reboot it. And they keep telling us that there's going to be a, a Green Lantern movie that's in development and a Green Lantern television series that's in development. But, you know, I, I, I've been hearing about those rumors and following those leaks and it's always, you know, uh, two steps forward, three steps back kind of thing. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds was, did not, did not do us proud on that, but I, but, but for me and for a lot of people like me, it was just so exciting that it existed at all. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. I hope that if they are going to make another Green Lantern film, that it happens uh, maybe in another 10 years or so when the current people making DC movies are no longer the people making DC movies. Cause I feel like the, <laughs> the last run of those characters has been so many swings and misses. And some of them weren't really even, they were check swings. Um, so given how much, I mean, we've, we've hinted at or given a brief summary of just how much uh, of mythology there is around Green Lantern. And like anything, if you're, trying to get into a comic book character nowadays unless the character was just created but if you're trying to get into one of the the biggies who's been around you know for 50 or 60 years it can be really daunting to know where to dive in so if somebody listening to this right now is thinking oh, I'd like to read some green lantern comics is there maybe like a a collected volume of a particular story or run or or some place you could point people to say you know this is good and you don't need to have 50 years of backstory to get why it's good um, yeah, actually. And in fact, that's kind of one of the things that's happening now in the, in the world of comic books. You know, there are people like me, you know, old school, when, when the new issue of the, you know, the latest incarnation of Green Lantern comes out, I buy it and I put, and I read it and then I carefully put it in my collection, you know, but there are other people that, that wait and read them online or wait until they're, they're collected in, in volumes and then buy the, the, the books, the, you know, the collected volumes that will have many, many stories in it. And often they're grouped by era and by storyline. So, for example, we, we mentioned the hard-traveling hero stories. Those are in a nice volume. So you can read, I think it's about a dozen stories with Green Lantern and Green Arrow running around the country in that, that hard-traveling heroes period of the 70s. Um, that's a great section. Um, in the modern age, um, Jeff Johns, who is a, uh, one of those notorious people that you're waiting to die off <laughs> in the, controlling the DC universe, um, Jeff Johns actually did a pretty cool trilogy in the 2000s. Um, one, one of the storylines was called Rebirth, and that's where Hal, Hort, Hal Jordan returns as Green Lantern. They bring him back, so... You know, for a while, all these other Green Lanterns had been brought to the fore, and Hal was off being Parallax or Spectre or something else. So he brings back Hal Jordan, uh, Hal Jordan, and does the the reboot um, of his origin story and everything. And then there's this whole Sinestro Corps war. Um, this artist Ethan Van Skyver, and they, that's where they introduce all of the the different colored lanterns. You know, so you have the orange lanterns and the and the uh, uh, yellow lanterns and so forth. They basically have a, a, a backstory and an, and an ethos and a, a type of power um, in, and that, that is being generated by you know, different rings with a different signet and different powers. And that and that just com that completely reinvented. You know, there's a lot of people that came to the Green Lantern 
became Green Lantern fans, um, actually reading those stories that during the Sinestro Corps War. And then this, we're just coming off of something called The Blackest Night, which was all back to like zombies and epic space battles and whatnot. These stories were uh, very commercially successful and critically acclaimed. Um, and so it, basically, if you, if you go into any comic book shop and you say, hey, you know, point me to the Jeff Johns stuff of the Green Lanterns, that you'll get that trilogy, that Rebirth, uh, Sinestro Corps, and Blackest Night. A lot of people like that. Well, so there's this, there's this recent series that has, has recently concluded where Grant Morrison is the writer and Liam Sharp is the artist. And it, it, it's one of the best runs I've seen for a while. First of all, the art is amazing. This guy, Liam Sharp, he, 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 every page is like a, a painting, you know, and there's such incredible detail and in all these little Easter eggs. You know, if you're looking in, in, in the, the corners of an image, there'll be a character that you haven't seen for years and years. And you think, oh, no, what's he doing there? Is he part of it? You know, it's crazy. And then, you know, if you don't want to get into that level of, you know, it's very like what they're trying to do with these superhero movies now, where there's a there's a just sort of a basic entertainment level. And then underneath it, there's all this other stuff. And Grant Morrison writes in this in this very florid kind of um yeah, psychedelic kind of way. Um, you know, like, like an example is, uh, they've got a, um, they've got a character, they have, they go to the multiverse and they have different versions of the green lantern and different versions of Hal Jordan, you know, from, from other universes. And there's one that, that Grant Morrison writes that it's named the magic lantern. And he's really a hippie. He's in tie dye and his, Oh, you know how green lantern always recites the oath when he's charging his ring. And this guy, his, his oath is like, when it's groovy, the living guru and the magic lantern is lit. And when other lanterns lose their shit, you know, it's like, it's like whoa. Yeah. So there's some really, there's some really great stuff. You get a kick out of it, man. Because, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a healthy dose of anarchy in there too. My guest on this episode has been Dimitri Matheny. He is a jazz musician, and I will put links to what he actually does for a living in the show notes of this show. Uh, but he's been on here because he's a Green Lantern fan. Man, it's been uh, so fun to talk to you about this. And I should, just before we draw this show to a close, I should point out that in addition to being a jazz musician and being a fan of the Green Lantern, you are also a sizable portion of the reason that for the last 10 months, and as a matter of fact, it's 10 months today when we're recording this, but it'll be longer when people hear it. Uh, I've been living in a van because uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, as my life was going through some major changes, I tweeted out one day, I would like to live in a van with no expectation of actually doing that at all. And you responded to me and said, are you serious about this? Because I have a lot of resources. And we ended up having a, a Zoom call and you sent me all these links to people who were doing van life. And that was really my introduction to it as a concept. And without that introduction, I don't know that I would have pursued it far enough because I got totally hooked on those on those videos and, and started to realize it was a thing you could do even without a ton of money. So honestly, if you hadn't responded to that tweet, I don't know what the last year of my life would have looked like, but I think it would have been pretty different. So thank you for that. Well, well, I'll take the credit, but not the blame, you know, because, because <laughs> as we know, van life, van life, life has its ups and downs. And, and, you know, ironically, you have now become one of the van lifers that I follow on social media and, and, um, and, feel a sense of uh, FOMO 
you know, feel, feel, feel a little bit jelly because I've been looking at, you know, I want a band for touring so that when I, you know, I, I do this thing where I'll, you know, get in my car and I'll cross state lines and play a little gig and turn around and come back and sleep in my own bed. And it's, it's crazy, you know, and you, they, the presenters don't always provide hotels and things like that. And my dream is just to get on the road, me and my dog in, you know, in a van with a bed in the back. And be able to just take my time, you know, and so a, a, a gig becomes a week, you know, taking my time, getting somewhere and getting back. And and so this whole thing of, of the freedom of it and and uh, yeah, I, I've been looking for my my van for every day on Craigslist for about three years. I have some very specific criteria that I'm looking for and I and I keep getting close. I mean, really close to pulling the trigger. And then I'll just be like, nah, this just is too old or uh, too many miles or uh, it's just not the, quite the right footprint or the right style or the right size, you know. And, I, and I'm and i usually not this way. I usually make a decision and buy something and, and then zero buyer's remorse. But this, this for some reason, this thing is really important to me. And, and you've been an inspiration, man. You're now in your third vehicle and you're doing it. <laughs> well, one of these days we'll uh, sit beside a fire in front of our two vans and some Bureau of Land Management uh, camping <laughs> space, reading comic books, and we'll uh, trade our road stories. Uh, until then, as I said, there'll be links to uh, Dimitri's uh, actual professional life in uh, the show notes, and he's quite talented, so you should go listen to the stuff that he makes. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Jason, it's been a thrill, and I hope you know if your travels bring you to the Pacific Northwest, we have a shower and shore power, and uh, if you want it, an indoor bed with your name on it. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Brief Chat. You can support the show at patreon.com slash vanarchism. You'll get early access to every episode, a monthly bonus show, plus travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Thank you, and I'll talk to you again next week. Beep.